They stopped at body number, was it 17? Is that where I ended? They stopped digging and you ended it with saying um, how he like was giving candy to the kids and they were working in the store and he was basically grooming them to trust him for years. Oh, yeah. This yeah. candy store was behind the elementary school. Tell me, how many people have heard of this story before me? I mean, probably everyone. It's a big story. I mean, I definitely had heard the name Dean Coral. Yeah. Um, And I knew that there was like the Candyman. But there's also, isn't that a, a horror movie too? The Candyman? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's uh, not related. No, I don't think so. You do not have to go back and listen before you watch this. If you're watching this right now and you haven't seen the Dean Coral thing, we'll kind of go through it. But I started at the very end where he was killed. Killed. Mama, I killed Dean by his, he was killed by his accomplice, Wayne Henley. And I want you to also think about today, because we're going to talk about his role in the murders. And because he's trying to get out of prison right now, a compassionate release. And and this is him right here. He's trying, uh, this is from the uh, Texas Observer right y'all. See, that's him now. Wayne Henley Jr., gray-haired, 66-year-old, serving six life sentences. Yeah, I feel like if you if you have that many life sentences, you shouldn't get out in that lifetime. I don't know. I know, but in today's world, there are, there are a lot of social media people, like TikTok especially, that will go to bat for these serial killers. Like M- the Menendez brothers, they were... Well, but why? Like, can we go to bat for people that because actually, you know, people, like, haven't killed other people? Because people... People are dumb and they follow this this sheep mentality. So if someone says, all right, well, Wayne Henley shouldn't be in prison because he was groomed at an early age and and he wasn't even the the killer. He was just, you know, he had to do it because he was getting forced by by Dean Coral. And and then everyone, so millions, of, millions of people post this like, why is Wayne Henley in prison? Da, 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 da. And it just makes him seem innocent. It's the same thing with the Menendez brothers, you know, we, which we haven't done. Yeah. But so everyone was calling for them to get released but i'm going to show you right now i mean you're you're going to see this this guy belongs where he's at the other dude david brooks the accomplice which we're going to go into him too he died in 2020 of the rfid yeah uh, covid <laughs> rfid <laughs> Oh, uh, shit. So anyway, you don't have to have listened to those. We started with Dean Coral getting killed by his accomplice. And then yesterday was a very exciting episode. It was the bodies in the boat shed. They found eight bodies the first day in the boat shed. And then at the end, they pulled out 17. Although they're probably a lot more. <laughs> they're probably still there. <laughs> because they stopped digging. Like, ah, oh, that's good enough. We, yeah. we got what we need here. I mean, that's exactly what they did. And I'm going to kind of tell you why here in a second. I don't understand but, how you can justify that. I really don't. You can't. Like, there's... You can't. I mean, they should go back now and, and dig them yeah, up. Yeah, they should. They really should. But I'm going to kind of tell you their mindset. But this is what we talked about yesterday a little bit. All the bodies there. This is... uh, There were 17 found. But as you see, like, they didn't look in all these spaces, right? They, I mean, like, Dean Coral was very efficient. So he, he lined them up like Tetris. So you can you can guarantee there's one here, one or two here, probably one here, one here. As you'll see, they just started throwing all the bones in the same bag, and they're like, ah, they're they're probably this kid. <laughs> You know, which is probably not what you're supposed to do. Anyway, so we're going to get started with today's episode. Somebody asked right before we signed off. Literally, I signed off. I was thinking about answering the question that I think it was Amanda asked this. You remember I said there were all the kids in there were between 11 and 13, but there was one exception. Yep. And it's not a good exception. Yeah. So she had asked, well, what's the exception? And I didn't mention that. So I'll put that in first. Okay. First, right here. And the exception there is, as I said, most of the boys found in the boat shed were early teens. However, they did come across one pair of muddy pants that were found in the dirt no longer than a foot and a half. Oh, no. So a boy of the age of nine or ten. All right. So a little younger than his typical victim. Yeah. In fact, this was Dean Coral's neighbor when he lived in, in an apartment building. As you'll see, Dean Coral moved around a lot until he finally ended up at his dad's old place right Mm -hmm. so and uh, david brooks would say quote the youngest kid dean kilt was about nine his daddy run a grocery across the street from where dean was living that's nine years old so anyway what tell me what you think of dean coral 
so far. Tell me what you think of this story. Um, horrible human being. Mm. How's that? Well, I will say that the mother thinks differently. Well, they. All, it seems like he had a perception of being like a good, you know, citizen. He's giving out free candy. Well, he was a good citizen. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say the murders. Well, the murders are different, but if they are different, yes. As you'll see, the mother, Dean Coral's mother, which her name is Mary West. Um. She, up until the day she died in 2010, has been trying to clear her son's name because she thinks her son was framed. Okay. She said her son is just misunderstood. And misunderstood. we're going we're to talk about that because the mother is... Uh, uh, in denial? Mm, well, uh, yeah. I will say we've covered a lot of gay serial killers. Mm-hmm. And the ones I can think of off the bat is Dean Coral, obviously. We've covered John Wayne Gacy, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer, mm-hmm. Bruce, MacArthur, Bruce MacArthur, which mm-hmm. is a Canadian serial killer who was also a green thumb. Like a landscaper. Yeah. And then another one, do you, one of the good stories we covered, his first name rhymes with uh, Curb. Herb. <laughs> Herb. Baumeister. <laughs> we covered him. He was a businessman. He owned a bunch of like 7-Eleven type stores. Was it 7-Eleven or no, it was like fabric stores, wasn't it? Um, I think it was fabric stores. I can't remember, stores. but I do remember he lived in a mansion and had a big pool. <clears throat> he had a, yeah, he had a big pool. He lived in a mansion. Because the episode was called Herb. Herb. Pool party at her Baumeister's, I think. Yeah. I would like to redo that story, actually, and kind of see what I would do differently in today's, you know, since I'm mature nowadays. Bob Bordella, yep. Oh, yeah, Bob Bordella, yeah. But a lot of the the gay serial killers we covered were, would never admit even to themselves that they were gay. And Dean Coral's a little bit different. As you'll see, he accepted it himself, but he would never let his mother know because even after his death and all these kids were unburied, the mother adamantly says before anything, the most important thing is is her son was not a homosexual. <laughs> so. I mean, it's a, it is really interesting to, like, it's the sign of the, the times where that was so, so shameful. Um, and I know that there's definitely still that, that stigma today. Um, but I wonder, had they been in, like, today's kind of society, would they have that kind of same reaction or same, you know, denial or anger about, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, going back to Wayne's, Wayne, when he finally confessed, and he felt really good after he confessed, almost like a high. And a lot of killers feel this, is you know, that weight off your shoulders. Yeah. That weight off your shoulders, yeah. Quote, Mama, I told him everything. What do you mean, everything? Just everything. Oh, Wayne, Mama, be happy for me, because now at least I can live. I mean, literally, he sounds just like that. Mama. Yeah, I liked the video. I that killed you said Dean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Wayne. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. We are going back to the boat shed and we are reading from the book Man with Candy and also the book Candy Cards, One, uh, The Man with Candy by Jack Olson, Candy Cards by Robert Brown. And in the corner of the shed, they found multiple graves. One by one, the bodies of young men came into sight, most of them in advanced states of decomposition, each wrapped neatly in its own plastic. One had been buried sitting up, two others in the fetal position, one on its back, and many bones were intermingled. Detectives wearing surgical gloves knelt under the fire department floodlights and groped for bits of rotten flesh and crumbling bone, fighting nausea and hoping that they were not mixing up the final remains. Yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Most of the bodies were found in the boat shed. We are going to go to the beach. A couple bodies were found at the beach. Now, 29 is the number. One's still unidentified, but there are most likely a lot more out there. Oh, yeah. Because... Definitely. As you'll see, even before he met Wayne Henley, he was digging in several different places. Mm. So and we'll talk about that. They had all seen death. Now, this is the the diggers and the detectives. They had all seen death, but none had encountered the wholesale transfiguration of roll-licking boys into reeking sacks of carrion. Carrion is decomposing flesh. Eight bodies were uncovered by midnight the first day. By day two, it was nearly impossible to separate each 
each victim from the next. We had to reach in with our hands and separate little bitty bits of bone from crushed shell and muck, and then pitch them up into bags. Detective Larry Earl said earlier, we were pulling hair out of the mud in chunks, working in mud made out of dirt and rotten blood. It was caked on our shoes. It got into our clothes. It was awful. One of the newsmen there at the boathouse, and if you guys, I, I showed you all the pictures yesterday at the boathouse and the body and stuff like that, so we're not going to do that again. But So go watch that video if you weren't here. But a newsman that was there at the scene, he was observing what was going on. He said, quote, the city sent out a backhoe that just wasn't big enough and all the work wound up being done by hand. Natural, naturally, the men got a little short on patience and they kind of jumbled bones around. When they came to graves with more than one body, they just divided the bones into body sacks about equally. I really couldn't blame them. Isn't that crazy? Because you're not supposed to do that. You're, it, like, it's like an excavation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, okay, there's a body here. Let's put all the parts Together, in this bag. Yeah, because yeah, when you, they're going to bury them. So now you're burying a kid with like someone else's bones in it. You know? But at, but given the fact that they also just stopped at a certain point, yeah, kind of doesn't surprise me that they were willing to be that careless. There's a couple motivations why they stopped. One of the reasons is, is because of the terrible odor and the conditions of which they were working in. Mm-hmm. There was no ventilation, really. It was a boat shed. They only had that one door. They should have knocked the other wall out. I don't know why they didn't. Yeah, true. I mean, it's definitely a big enough crime scene. I know, exactly. And I mean, that's just a, a boat shed. That's just a, a, what do you call it? Like a uh, sheet metal, mm-hmm. I would imagine, on the back. You just knock it out and then staple another piece on there. It would have made things a lot better. Yeah. You know? I mean, but they didn't. So that was another reason they stopped. But there was another big reason they stopped as well. And that was because they were getting close to reaching a a number of another killer who was the most prolific in Houston at the time. And they did not want to surpass that number because <laughs> that would that would be terrible. So they, they literally stopped. Oh. That killer's name is Juan Corona. I haven't done a story, but I just know he's he killed 25, I believe. I saw wow. 25. Yeah. So they didn't want to pass that number. And they knew they, they didn't want to be known as having the most prolific serial killer in Texas. Well, also, they the I mean, let's be honest, like all these boys went missing. And if you go back into the police records, they were all just like, ah, they're runaways. Ah, you know, they're probably just kids. Just I mean, but these were 11 year olds. Yeah, that's really young. You know, and they all and they they all ran away or they all disappeared from the exact same community, Mm -hmm. the Heights, which is why have such a high concentration of runaways in that one area. Yeah. And why didn't the police, you know, catch on? From the ages (laughs) of 11 to 13 years old. But when they go back to the statements, it's all like, ah, your son's probably. He'll be back next summer. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Now, not every cop is is like that, but the the thinking in this department was kind of geared towards that way. On day two, 17 bodies had been unearthed, although there are probably still a lot more in the shed, probably one or two more in the shed and probably a lot more outside, especially at the beach. We're, we're going to visit the beach and stuff like that. And they actually used the backhoe in several different spots. So they were lined up. But then they would go two blocks down, there'd be some more. And then mm. one place uh, about 50 miles up in the in a forest, they found some bodies too. Dean Coral, his background, I'm going to kind of run through this kind of quick, but he was born Christmas Eve 1939 in Dale, Indiana, which is right outside of Fort Wayne, or it's actually a part of Fort Wayne, you know, the military base, mm-hmm. Fort Wayne. His parents, their marriage was pretty stormy, pretty uh, turbulent, but there was no violence. The mother is very adamant and she kind of says this braggingly that there was no violence in any any of her five marriages there have been no violence so you see what i did there not that it's bad that she's married five times but she did get married five times that's probably no violence i mean hey spousal abuse is is prominent so i guess yeah that's pretty good odds dean was the oldest of two and they grew up on a farm so i did too but i'm not a serial killer from dean's mother mary west from the time he was little he never went any place to see anybody else. If the kids would come to our place, he'd be nice to them and he'd play with them, but he'd never go to their house seeking them out. I might have 
have had something to do with a birthday party when he was about six. He had his feelings hurt because he was so little and didn't get a prize. I thought that it bothered him. So whenever birthday parties would come up, I wouldn't make him go. You would never hear him say, could I go to so-and-so's to play? Stanley was always out running with the other kids, but Dean would stay home. Yeah, Wolfie. I, I didn't mention that on purpose, but I can't get anything past you. She said she was married twice to Arnold, the father, and that is true. They try to make things work. She actually oh. did that uh, twice with another man, too. So I, I can't get anything past you guys, man. You guys are too good. Like any small detail that you're like, oh, I can skip this. No, I, I wasn't going to skip it. I was. All right. I'm going to be honest. I kind of wanted to make it seem like she was worse than she was married five times, which she was. She was married five times, but she also remarried the same guy twice. <laughs> Twice. But two 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 different men twice. Yes. Interesting. From what I've seen. I don't know. I didn't keep track of all of her. <laughs> no, don't, just, sh- don't shut up, Wolfie. It's good. No, dude, I like that. I just I just need to know that I can't get anything past you. And I <laughs> I had the same Wolfie and Tram both did the one corona. That's what it instead of my Sharona. That's exactly what it is. Oh, <laughs> so I was wondering what the song. hell you were talking about. <laughs> So Dean's mother, her name is Mary West. And that was <laughs> like Fred and Rose West. Yes, I know. I, I did, can't not think about it. Right? Yeah. I, dude, I thought about that the whole like, time. Any relation? Hmm. <laughs> no. At seven years old, uh, Dean Coral suffered rheumatic fever. And a lot of killers do have some kind of childhood sickness like this. And it, it kind of did affect him. Not only that, he was discovered with a heart murmur. And that made him not be able to exercise or partake in any physical activity. He couldn't even play baseball. He couldn't do anything. Okay. He couldn't do anything strenuous at all, even like swimming, so going to the was, beach. So he was left out of a lot of things. Well, yes and no. He was left out, but it, he didn't really mind. He was a loner, as you're going to see. And he wasn't bullied or anything. And he was attractive. Like he had a lot of women suitors, but he just rather have been alone, you know, and that mm. suited him. Mm. So he wasn't really too upset when... And he found out that he couldn't run and play with the other kids because he wasn't doing that anyway. Okay. You know, he did join the band and play trombone for a while, but that wasn't really physical. You know, that was just so. And and he did okay in that. So he was well liked, like I said, but he was just an outcast. He was a warrior. Now, he was a, a good kid. Not, not a great kid, but a decent kid. And he did respect others and he worried about everyone else's well-being. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that would give up his seat at the l- lunchroom for someone. Like, he was a good kid, a really good kid, you know, so what happened here, you know? Great question. A note about the mother real quick. On the day that the news broke until her death in 2010, Mary West was adamant that her son was innocent in everything, that either either he was getting framed or David David Brooks and Wayne Henley were just pinning all this on him, and he, he actually tried to move away. As you'll see, like right before this happened, he was about to move to Colorado. He was trying to get away from these bad influences, these killers. Mm -hmm. The mother was really adamant about that, Hmm. that this whole thing, they're just dragging her son's name through the mud. It couldn't be him. He's not even homosexual. I will point out that the mother is also kind of a religious fanatic and she belonged to the Church of Religious Science, which we we had a a roommate that, uh, remember? The Church of of Religious Science? Who knows? Anyway, so she belonged to that and she, for instance, when the news broke, she contacted a psychic who the psychic told her that her son is innocent. You know, it's <laughs> ah, well, if Miss Cleo says. <laughs> Then it must be true. Her intuitions confirmed the resolute woman began to fight a cle- began a fight to clear her son's name, starting with the open letter to Henley and Brooks. It burns me up that the newspapers are publishing stories about 27 dead boys, and they don't say 28, she exclaimed. Dean was killed too, but they don't count him. It's not 27 boy deal, it's 28 boy deal. I'm gonna slap a suit on the paper someday. I can't wait till the front page in Houston says Mary West sues TV stations and papers for $100,000 a piece. Maybe she's on to something. I mean, I'm going to say no. At the end of the day, we'll, we'll actually never know because 
Because Dean Dean's, has been killed. Dean has been killed. Dean can't defend himself. Literally 99% of the people that knew Dean had nothing but good things to say. Mm-hmm. The community loved Dean. Wait, wait, wait. But that's we we not true because there were survivors from the night that Dean was killed. This So we do have more like survivors from the Rhonda night. Rhonda Williams. Rhonda, yes. And then um, Ben Carley. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So like had there be no survivors period to his torture techniques and all that stuff you could there may be a, sl- a sliver of possibility mm. but sorry that just that takes it right out yeah sorry mama she called on another clairvoyant and this clairvoyant said that yes her son was involved but he had quote been used by others end quote now now dean was twice this these boys ages mm-hmm. at the time he died he was 36 i believe somewhere around there and you know these boys were 18 yeah <laughs> So, and this clairvoyant, I will mention, decided that her son has been used because, and this was a tarot card type of reading where she examined the date and hour of Dean Coral's birth and then flipped over a tarot card and it, you know, however that works. Now, I do want to say, I never mentioned this, but there's a lot of people out there, a lot of true crime fans that believe in the psychic thing. I need to mention this again. I need to mention this. Just listen to me. Okay. Every once in a while, a psychic gets it right but i'm fucking telling you but i'm freaking telling you on every one of these episodes we cover they always go the psychic route and they're always wrong i just don't mention it because i just don't think it's important police do it still today they they always do it the psychics usually call in and you know okay, I can help you. I just need more money or I need money. But they're never right. They're they're right sometimes, but like the majority of them are are not. So I just want to get that out of the way because a lot of people think that psychics, you know, solve cases and that's just not true. Slim, slim. Yeah. Sorry, I, I hope I didn't offend any psychics or witches. Wolfie says, they got a psychic? Psychic? Damn, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> also, can you go to a psychic and like if you go to a tarot reader, do you even have to introduce yourself? Because shouldn't they know that you're coming? You just stand there and just expect to be, you know, well, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Maybe we should get into it. All right. Another psychic said to the mother, quote, he couldn't possibly have done it. He couldn't have even been homosexual. Another psychic told Mrs. West that Dean's only involvement involvement in the case was that he knew something he didn't tell soon enough. Hey, Katie and Christopher, long time no see. Oh, what's up, guys? How's the... Did you already get married? How's the wedding plans? Oh, shit. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, fill us in. All one want to do now is... No, I was... I, sorry. <laughs> I put one instead of yes, I. Yes, you did. <laughs> All I want to do now is prove him innocent, she said. I don't even care if they get me. It doesn't mean that much. I'm not afraid to die. If people knew the whole story of Dean's life, they would be absolutely sure that Dean is no killer. Maybe she's on something. <laughs> Again, no. Again, no. I can't even stick up for her. Like, it's at this point, it's kind of sad. When Dean was young, the mother father got divorced and she had married a traveling salesman at one point. Mm-hmm. But Dean, you know, born in, what did I say, Indiana? Mm-hmm. Indiana, Fort, Fort, Fort Wayne. Wayne. Mm-hmm. He moved to Vidor, Texas. Do, have you heard of that? Let's actually look this up. I, I, I'm really interested in this city. Vidor, Texas is the home of the Imperial Wizard. Like of Oz? <laughs> That's what I thought. No, of the KKK. <laughs> oh, God. And Oh, geez. Yeah. So I was... I was interested in that because, you know, apparently, and here it is right here. If you see Vidor, Texas, small little town. The town now has has uh, 10,000 people from a 2021 census. 10,000 people. Okay. And all right, the, the Imperial Wizard, which is such a dumb name. I mean, it's like Dungeons and Dragons. I didn't know that was what he was called. I thought he was called like the Grandmaster or something. Anyway, we're talking about the Ku Klux Klan, which we soon learned it was not the Ku Klux Klan, like I've been saying for all these years years is the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> anyway, this is where the the Imperial Wizard lived. So obviously this town is still, you know, pretty, they still have these ideologies, right? So out of 10,000 people, how many African American people do you think live in this town now? None? Seven. Oy. Seven. So this is, I was just really interested. I wanted to see it. I would not want to be anywhere near that yeah, place. 
because like yeah i know right and uh, apparently they still have a lot of the same jeez same feelings on things if you know what i mean jeez yeah well this is just the interstate let me see i mean that bad Aye, yeah that's, i mean that's pretty sad you yeah know? i mean if you if someone lives there they, they may not be able to help it and i'm not saying it's a bad place but i mean Crazy. you know so anyway dean went here to high school this okay. uh, vidor high school right here but he you know despite going to probably the most racist city in america i would imagine <laughs> Brittany uh would like to remind you that in vidor texas is also where her case request is from kathy page okay nice is it related to i don't know the... but she would just like to remind you that's a friendly plug maybe you need to write that on a sticky note i'm not saying there's a bad like everyone's bad there but that's just where the grand master was born the imperial wizard Anyway, so, but the reason I'm saying that is he never, Dean Quarrel never adopted any, any racial hatred or anything. I didn't see any of that anywhere. Um, So he just never really cared about that or never adopted it. Dean was an okay student, nothing special, no high marks or anything. He got in high school and he got out. Actually, he was held back one year because he failed, I believe a grammar or English school or because he failed English class, he was held back, but he was pretty well liked. He was actually featured in the yearbook even though he was held back that year mm-hmm. and he was he was well liked and one of the things that really helped his popularity was the fact that you know he started giving out candy and we're going to talk about the candy shop right here all right so the mother started making candy after and she was always sort of a chef she would always cook for the kids and she would always make sweet treats and they loved it mm-hmm. and her neighbors loved it so one day a, a what do you say pecan or pecan 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 yeah that's what i say too pecan that's what you say, pecan? Pecan pie. All right, because I don't say that pecan stuff. That's some Yankee stuff. Mm. So one time, this old pecan salesman, uh, one day when he was a kid, this pecan salesman came by trying to sell his pecans and noticed several cooling pies, apple pies, on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. Several. And I don't know if he had a taste or whatever, but he did remark to Miss West, she was married at the time, to a guy named Jack Jake West, uh, Miss Miss West, he did suggest that Miss West maybe think about doing this full time. And she latched onto that idea because she knew she was good. Very but, cool. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. She knew the pie market wouldn't make it. So what she did was she drove up to Houston and she paid $50. She, she went to a chocolate factory that was in Houston. What? What's so funny? What? Shram said, has anyone had or made potato candy? Looks deceptive. And Daniel's response was, isn't that what Russians call vodka? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, dude, I have a great Russian episode, if y'all heard it. We have a few Russian episodes. The Stas Reflay case. There's quite a few good ones. Yeah. You remember the live streamer? Is that, yeah, the trash... Trash, trash streamer that one pissed you off yeah. especially at the very end <laughs> yeah yeah so that one you guys can listen to that one uh what do you guys like man do you guys like these serial killer ones or you know what what do you guys want to I hear like that it's that we have like kind of different kinds of stuff i like that there's it's not just serial killers you know mary west mother drives to houston texas she visits a candy shop that i don't think was no longer in business when she started her own and probably the reason they sold her the candy recipe anyway but she she paid them fifty dollars for a praline recipe what's huh. a pra, what's a praline it's not like a like candy sugar coated nut is it is it a pecan actually oh no i thought it was like a cherry no let's look it up and this shit is gonna make me want some chocolate man yeah you're making y'all are making me hungry who they're caramelized sugar heated combined with a roasted nut combination oh man so dude these look great usually almonds pecans hazelnuts and sugar wait you you said almonds? Almonds, pecans, hazelnuts. See, no one makes fun of when you say things wrong. It's almonds? Almonds. Almonds? Almonds? You said almonds. Yeah. It's almonds. You know, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a press. I ain't got to press you. <laughs> Correct. All right. So if anyone can... All right, I, and I've been looking for this. I would, if you're a true crime collector, you should as well. But we've been watching American Pickers, and I want one of those candy, those uh, Coral Candy Company signs. I know they're out there somewhere, mm. or like a flyer or something. Yeah, how cool there would you that go. be? But I will say that that wasn't the first name of the company. Okay, so if you're a real true what true was, crime, what mom, was the name of the candy company before it was Coral Candy? It was called Pecan Prince. Oh, so if you find a flyer or a sign that says Pecan Prince. 
Prince. You know, grab that shit up. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, hey, it's not too far from some of our listeners, so. I know. Dude, if someone can find me. All right. I'm going to be honest. If someone can find me an actual sign, signage used or something, and is real from the Candy Coral Company, I'll buy it, you know, at a good price, literally, because I want it. Just like I have that freaking uh, skateboard. The skateboard with the um, the dude's head right there. Yeah. John will just say, buy this for me as a present. And I, <laughs> I will. I know. I have a lot of cool true crime things, rare things. She drives a Houston and she gets a praline recipe. I remember the machines coming in, a high school friend said, and putting them in the garage for separating and cracking different size pecans, shaking them, cleaning them, all by machine. And Dean kept those machines running, wrapped the candy in boxes and delivered them. That's one reason he didn't have a whole lot of social life. He was busy all the time. Like I said, he wasn't hated and he was a really nice kid. He would do anything for you. He would give you his shirt off his back. You know that saying? He would mm-hmm. he would literally do anything. And not only that, he brought all these kids candy. Every day in school, he would bring everyone candy. Free candy, you know? I mean, he was a great kid. Everyone loved him. The mother trademarked the name Pecan Prince Candies, and that's what they went with at first. But that's kind of a closed market. I mean, now you're only... Just pecans, Just you pecans, know? you know what I'm saying? broaden it. Yeah. But initially, this worked out great because the husband at the time, Jake West, was a traveling clock salesman, like door to door, you know, hey, miss who, whoever, would you like to see my clock? I have a big clock. So as a traveling salesman, he could bring these candies with him and say, here's some candy for your clock. You know, here's some candy. Would you like to buy some candy? So it worked out really well. However, the mother, just like her other marriages, there was a confliction of ideas is what she would say. The marriages never were violent, but they they just never got along. She never married the right person. They always had these diff- different ideas on how to, like, for instance, raise kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like Arnold, the, the real father, was strict. He wouldn't beat the kids, but he was real strict. And the mother was, no, he's fine. You know, kind of laughing when they do something instead of scolding them. Mm-hmm. So at this point, the mother and the husband, there's, there's some tension brewing here. Plus, Dean Coral hated the stepfather, hated the stepfather, you know, which happens a lot. So there was some tension brewing. Now, this candy company is getting pretty popular and pretty big. Mm -hmm. They're pretty successful right off the bat. So eventually the husband would, you know, quit his job and everyone's working at the candy company full time because they're making uh, making good money. I mean, it was a success Mm -hmm. right off the bat. You know, now when Dean turned 18 years old, he was eligible for the draft and he was drafted into the army. However, he was let go at 11 months in, not because of anything bad, but that's because his, and I've seen this before when I was in the army too, and it happens usually in basic training. And basic training, I believe is six months, three months, I don't know, six or three months. And then you go to this thing called uh, advanced individual training, which he was going to be a radio operator. So that's where he was at most Mm -hmm. likely when he got the notice that he was getting kicked out of the military honorably, but just because the family needed him back at the candy shop, which I've seen that happen before, like a family business. And, you know, you you would be in basic with one guy and then he would get ripped out and be like, oh, you're needed back home for this, that and the other or a family death or something, you know, and and they just end the contract. So that's what happened. Okay. so he was only in in the army for literally 10 to 11 months. Okay. And and the mother actually did that. She actually goes to the Red. She goes to the Red Cross and requests him because at that point, Dean, his life was candy. His life was. And not only that, he was a one man shop. He was the Candy Coral Company. He knew everything because, I mean, this was when he was a kid when they started it, Mm -hmm. when he was like 10. And now he's 18 and he's been doing this for this long. It's all he knows. And he could he was so efficient. He could do every task and he knew the secret recipes like by heart. He was the candy company. Mm -hmm. And not only that, he was the one that made it real popular because he's the guy that would spread all the broken candy to the kids. And, you know, they'll bring the candy home. Well, you know, where'd you get that? It's freaking delicious. Oh, the candy coral, the coral candy company, you know, Dean. So he was a great, that's a great marketing technique, literally. So he was the business. So they pulled him right out of the army. Interesting. Yeah. But however, and we're going to get back to some murder here in a second, but however, something very interesting did happen in the short time he was in the military. Do you want to take a guess what that was? What? You want to take a guess? (laughs) No. He always knew that he was gay. Okay. And he never, he, it never affected him like it did Jeffrey Dahmer. Like Jeffrey Dahmer goes on a two year hiatus 
place where he's like, I'm not gay, I'm straight type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to have sex with anyone. Like it really affected him at a personal religious level. Mm-hmm. Dean Quirrell, on the other hand, he didn't accept it. But the only reason it took him until the army to actually come out was because of the mother. The mother even now says adamantly, above all, my son's not a homosexual. Hmm. So, you, you know. Over being a serial killer. Yeah. She's more concerned about that. It's crazy. That was good. Yeah. But his first gay experience happened in the military. Now, no one knows what it is, but it is believed that that's when when whatever happened. And that's when he finally kind of came out. But he never really came out, you know, because the mother. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Years later, a close friend, and he's the one that made the theory about him uh, coming out in the army. Quote, he told me that that's where it started. And I'm going to dude, I'm reading this verbatim exactly how it's written. Okay. Okay. A friend said, quote, he told me that's where it started when, you know, the first time he ever turned to a fag, really. I guess that's the only way I can say it. And ever since then, I guess it just got worse and worse and worse. So you see the, I mean, kind of the the way they talked about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The homosexuals at the time. So sorry, I didn't mean to offend anyone. That's not my intention. It was more of uh, trying to show you how people thought of the gay population. Now, he came back and he, he wasn't a part of the homosexual community, which did exist. He did go to bathhouses at some point, but but he would complain that they were dirty, so he just kind of stayed away from them. There is a guy that did a radio interview after after he was killed that came out, and he he didn't give his name, just that his name was Guy. Mm-hmm. But he says that Dean met him in this in this uh, supermarket bathroom, and they went out on dates and everything, and nothing but nice things to say. He was very sweet. He liked to cuddle. He wouldn't force anything on me. But he did mention one thing when this man went to his house, you know, at uh, 2020 Lamar, there was one room that was kind of shut off and Dean wouldn't let him go in there. And that was presumably the the torture room. Yeah. So. And one more thing about him being gay, and, and this is this is interesting to note because of the mother, right? Because this story, I, I really do believe Dean, his personality comes from the mother. Because the mother was kind of eccentric. But for up until he got out of the military till the time he died, he's been going back and forth between marrying a, a woman named Betty Hawkins, right? Like mm-hmm. Stranger Things Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Now, this woman who had kids of her own, she was a divorcee, she really wanted to marry Dean. She didn't know he was gay. Like, people just assumed that he was asexual. I mean, before he started, mm-hmm. you know, a- acting, you know, more gay or whatever, more... Like, outward, I Well, guess. he started, like, flirty... Right. Being flirty yeah. with the kids yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, but she never realized that he was actually gay. And many times she actually proposed to him, oh, let's get married. Let's do this, that, and the other. Mm. And it never really happened. But I think he was just doing that to appease his mother, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, I get that. Because yeah. he was an attractive guy. I showed you a photo of him. He was a good looking dude. Cutebedguys.com, oh, yeah. apparently. <laughs> so he had a lot of women interest, even when he came back from the, the military. Now he's all strong and stuff. And all the workers, the female workers were just, you know, just, had a oh, thing for him. Dean, he's so strong. They were, but he never showed any interest, you know? Yeah. And the mother just simply said, uh, he, he was just, interested in he was just busy. The mother, like I said, was more concerned about his sexual preference than anything, would never admit to herself that her son may be gay. So one can really wonder what the mother what was going through the mother's mind when they pulled up the bodies because mm. the bodies were male they yeah. were male boys okay mary west would later say about her son he was disinterested in sex in any way shape or form he might have had his moments he might have been with a boy i don't know but that doesn't make him a homosexual you see what i'm saying yeah and that, and that's important because the reason that's important is because they pulled up 30 de- they pulled up 30 boys right like obviously he's gay right. you know yeah, he's he's got a preference. So what was going through the mother's mind when they, they pulled him up? Oh, no, this isn't my son. Yeah, he may have been with a boy, but he's not homosexual. How could Dean's mother, adamant her son was straight, ever cope with the descriptions of some of the victims? Not only were they all male, but some of them had been sexually ravaged, and in many cases being a direct cause of the death. One boy's heavily decomposed body lay by a small plastic bag. Sealed inside were his severed penis and testicles, still freshly preserved. 
So this is a different side of Dean. Dean actually, in the candy shop, there was a lot of stress. It's a lot of operations going on. And at this point, the mother and the the uh, the new husband, Jake West, they split for good. And he is trying to tear the, the mother's company apart. He actually takes the Pecan Prince name and literally starts his own candy company. Mm. Now, they eventually get divorced, but this is all going on while they're still married. That's ugly. And he is trying to directly ruin her and her company. And Dean's yeah. in the middle of this and everything else, you know. And it got really ugly. There was, and this guy, Jake West, he was doing some very hateful things. You know, he would. Yeah, uh, sounds like it. Very hateful things. He would, you know, write these letters to everyone in the community, spreading all these lies and stuff. It was very stressful. So what I'm saying is Dean had this room that the employees called the, quote, pouting room. And that's where Dean would go. It was just a little sealed off closet. And he would express himself by saying like, no, not like that. (laughs) What else am I supposed to think? Candy, some wine, janitor's closet. (laughs) I mean... He would go in there and just let it all blow up. Let it all... (laughs) He would just go and blow his top all over the walls and it was all sticky. Stop it! (laughs) He would go in there and just scream at the top of his lungs and everyone could hear him. That's why they call it the pouting room. And he kind of pretended no one could hear him. But he would just go in there and break things and just... That was his way of... What I'm trying to say is he had a temper problem. Yeah, okay. And especially with the stress. So, taking those two things together Together and what Nicole just read, where they literally uncovered a boy's body. Next to the body was a plastic bag containing this boy's penis and testicles. Okay, and then she saw, she also read that Dean Coral. This wasn't after death. This wasn't a Jeffrey Dahmer. Let me make a shrine of his penis. This is how he expressed himself through torture. Okay. Okay. If you want to believe he was involved in all this, I do. Yes, because again, we have some living survivors of of his. Yeah, that's true. So, as I said, 17 came out of the boat shed. Uh, One more quick thing about the thing being about the operation being shut down for good. And this is one of the reasons, right? I mean, now you're finding balls and penises and bags. I mean, you're you're like, let's just call it. Let's done, done. I I can't do it. Again, though, you're still not bringing justice to the rest of the families who may have had children as victims. But think about it. This is the exact same as the, you know, remember Dorothy Hillegeist, the one we talked about yesterday that Mm -hmm. he went to the pool. Yep. Her son goes to the pool. She goes to the police. Oh, he's a runaway. No, I know. I'm getting it's not. It's right. a, it's the same attitude. Yeah. It's a you know yeah. whatever. I this get is, the attitude. I'm not yeah. I'm saying it's r- the wrong attitude. No, I know. But when you're pulling out penises and bags, eventually the lieutenant's That's part like, of the fucking know, job. I'm Sorry. just I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Like sometimes you got to do hard things in your job. It's like part of it, you know. Yeah. The operation was shut down for good to the chagrin of at least one officer. Just wasn't done right. He said, we waited out there all day for good equipment, but the city of Houston is so slow. We should have gone down about six feet and taken every bit of dirt out, but we couldn't do it by hand, so we just gave up. There's still bodies in that shed. I'm sure of it. Go back to the one you just read about the penis found in the back. Okay. Now, none of the victims, this might blow your mind, none of the victims that Dean has killed had any stab wounds inflicted on them. Let me put it simply. Dean Coral never had or used a knife in anything. You're finding a boy's severed penis and balls in a bag. How did they get there? No boys were stabbed. No boys were cut. The pain, and, and this has happened to multiple victims. Most of them were tied with the Venetian blind. That's just to kill them if they're not dead already from having their penises cut off. I shouldn't say cut. In fact, the next body that was pulled out right after that um, said the father Following. The boy's penis was, quote, gnawed nearly in two, end quote. Gnawed. Stop! I mean, I'm just uh, saying. Okay, I get it. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. Welcome to talk murder to me. <laughs> Several of them were shot. Their hands were tied behind their backs if they didn't die from the torture. One had a, quote, caved in chest, end quote. And that was from him being kicked to death. <gasps> This was an 11-year-old boy kicked to oh death. My God. Kicked to death. I, I Like, to kick someone to death. I mean, holy shit. Like, that is crazy, right? To kick somebody to death. I've That's hard to kill someone like that, kicking them to death. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, it's bad. One body was one body was still intact, wearing a striped swimsuit, undershorts, and black cowboy boots. This was da- David Hillegeist. So going back to the candy shop, it was thriving at this point. They partnered with this girl named Ruby Jenkins and her husband, and she's known as the Candy Apple Lady. He was a regular Pied Piper. Ruby Jenkins said, laughing. Everybody told him to stop, but he wouldn't stop. The principal even called and said, "Please don't encourage the kids. They're crossing the street to get the candy, and they're just." little bitty kids the parents are complaining but dean still give it out so we talked about like these kids these are the kids that he would fill their pockets with when he was you know working at the candy company and they were in elementary school and now they're under the shed under the boat shed so dean loved kids i never saw a man that loved kids like dean they were always around him hugging on him and he just loved it now things were going good with the candy company until the ex-husband started doing his um vindictive campaigning to try to take him out of business but at the same time dean was filling the pockets with candy and he also did something that Gacy did at one point he put a pool table in the back you know so the kids it was like look- a hangout spot yeah for them. exactly right I bet the the dentists in town love Dean yeah Dean bought the van and he would pile these little kids in the van and take them to the beach and give candy out it was really Michael Jackson the what he was doing yeah yeah and people started noticing however no one put it together that he could be the reason that all these Heights boys are missing no one ever put that together because the candy man was so sweet you know it couldn't be him pun intended several workers noticed that dean was getting quote flirty with the younger younger crowd we're talking about 9 10 11 Mm. and he would be pinching them when they walked by inappropriate obviously yeah he would also be literally stuffing their pockets with candy so he would put his hands put hands down their pants Mm -hmm. yeah and the the mother of course was completely oblivious to everything he had a lot of young friends mary west said they latched on to him he didn't look for them one would bring another one he would let them use his tape player teach them how to use it let them come in anytime they wanted make them feel at home at this time when the candy company is still going strong he's sticking all this candy in these pockets little boys and he meets this boy named david brooks now here's his accomplice Mm -hmm. however he doesn't meet david brooks until david brooks is in the sixth grade how old are you are you in the sixth grade like nine um like 11 oh really i thought i was younger than that no Hmm. so he meets david brooks which is it's it's hard to it's hard to describe these kids because if you listen if you look at the police reports they're all dopers and this that and the other but you know that's not true a lot of them do come from broken homes mm-hmm. but they're not all bad David Hillegeist wasn't a not t- a bad kid yeah. not a bad kid you know what I'm saying it's it's almost like the police are kind of um, they just assumed that everyone was, yeah you know if they were disappearing they were into bad things or yeah something. he meets David Brooks when David is in the sixth grade and for the next episode I was going to do it on this one but it's getting kind of long I want to read his confession he has two confessions and David Brooks blames a lot of it on Wayne Henley David Brooks you know kept it on the record that he was never involved in the killings and and David Brooks is dead now so he ain't getting out but Wayne Henley may get out so that's what I'm also trying to like we don't want our Dewey like I don't know we haven't talked about him I know but anyway in sixth grade he meets David he meets David Brooks when Brooks is in sixth grade and he's starts he starts coming on to to brooks and brooks doesn't really understand everything that's happening but he does understand cold hard cash and even though it's five to ten dollars it's it's paying him not to do anything to dean but to give david brooks something so he is performing oral sex on these kids and it's very important because dean never asked anyone to do things to him he's always doing things to someone so he is paying like he would pay David Brooks five to ten dollars to have quote oral sodomy with him. That's what he called it, oral sodomy with someone else. No, with David Brooks. Okay. Yeah. So he would when they first met, he would pay him five bucks. Here, just let me, you know, suck you or whatever. And he didn't really understand what that meant. He was in the sixth grade. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So he's just like, okay, five bucks is five bucks. He liked oral sex. The boy said, and he'd pay boys to come over and let it do, let him do it to them. That was his sex life. There were some boys that were involved with him for a long time, they kept coming back for more and he kept paying them. But every once in a while, he'd take a kid by force and he'd do oral sex and rectal sex and all kinds of things and he'd want
wind up killing them, killing him. That's important because so he would lose control. Boom. That's the point. He would lose control. So I know, right? So is he really that bad? Oh, I shouldn't say that. But yes, he, he's really that bad. I know. I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that he would lose control. I told you about the pouting room and everything else. Yeah. He would go too far. And then that's why mm-hmm. that's where you're seeing this. Because you just read a lot of boys kept coming back and loved him. I talked about the one guy from the supermarket that did the radio interview. He loved hanging out with Dean. Loved it. He, I mean, he was the nicest person ever. But sometimes when the boys on the torture board and stuff like that, or this, that, and the other, and Dean's having a bad day, he would lose control and things got out of hand. Got out of hand. Exactly. So that's the, that is, you know, what happened. It was always Dean doing something to me, never me doing nothing to Dean, David emphasized, drawing a distinction that was apparently important to him. Dean Coral had a sadistic side, okay, which we're going to talk about some glass tubes and stuff, but which David would later be the one to provide the information with. But to, to start it, the first the first real killings that David witnessed, okay, and now David never participated in the killings. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we read last time how Wayne choked the victims, or maybe not, but it was it's really hard to kill someone choking them, mm-hmm. even a kid, okay? David never did that, according to him. But one time, quote, I come home, and Dean had two little old boys tied to a board in the living room. Uh, one second, David was also living with Dean at this point. David was the permanent roommate, basically. David didn't have a job. He, he he was living off Dean. Dean was supporting David at this point. He moved out of his house and moved in with Dean. He was groomed, basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So let me start over. Quote, I come home and Dean had two little old boys tied to a board in the living room. And they was all three of them naked, he said. Quote, Dean jumped up and said, I'm just having some fun. And he promised me a car if I kept quiet, end quote. He bought David Brooks a Camaro wow. for his silence. That's kind of fucked up. David came out and said that Coral had a sadistic side. I told you about him gnawing off penises, Mm -hmm. but he also did some other things. Sometimes boys were tortured by glass tubes being inserted into their body openings, including the penis area if he had a tube that small. At this time, Mary West's husband, ex-husband, is on this vindictive campaign, so the company is suffering. Company ev- ev- The candy company eventually closes down 1968. Things are getting stressful. Dean takes a part-time job at the Houston Power and Lighting Company, where he has access to things like acrylic paint and glass tubes. He was actually a relay tester, so he literally worked with these glass tubes. So he would take them home, he would steal them, and insert the bigger ones into the anus or orifices and then the smaller ones into you know once these glass tubes were inserted into the orifice orifices deep enough where he thought okay this is deep enough he would then break those tubes so like he would kick it like with his boot or whatever just kick the top of it and it would shatter shatter inside the boy so a lot of them died like this right I mean Uh, it reminds me of Junko Furuto where they put the light bulb yeah yeah Put the light bulb in her. Yeah. Oh, dear. So that was pretty bad. The glass uh, tubes. He also had this one thing that he loved to do is he would, uh, now this, these are boys, 10 to 12. He would like to pull the pubic hairs out ah! one by one. Ah! And remember, he's not using a knife or tweezers or anything. He's using his mouth. He's doing ah! all this. He's doing all this with his mouth. This is, uh, this is really making me painful. Making you painful? You yes, ain't got a penis? I, I know. <laughs> but like, just the, the, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling secondhand pain right now. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So Wolfie says literally shattered. I mean, he would he would insert them, and I I mean, glass tubes—they're from the power company. So what I just showed you is probably what he had. There's no there's no one that I I saw a picture of, but he would insert them in every different orifice, including the penis, and then just stomp them. I guess we got it. I'm just saying. He would stomp them or break them somehow. They would all get broken up. And they found the glass, like shards of glass, in the. This is what David says. Once they went on the board, they were as good as dead, the young man said. It was all over but the shouting and the crying. All right, so we'll be back in two hours. I'll set the video up now and release it, but, you know, it will have the countdown for two hours from now. So, and this is before the unlisted talkers primos because this is what you guys pay for. So we'll finish it up, I swear to God. All right. All right. Yep. And so that is part, I don't know, four, fuck. That is another. There's a lot of parts (laughs) in this one. That is another 
part of the Dean Cora one. I hope you enjoyed it. We got one more coming up and I swear I'm done. And that's all I got. So let's get out of here. All right. For another two hours. All right. We'll be back. All right. We'll be back. So until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. <laughs>